0: Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval, another dimension. So light for your approval, another dimension. So light for your shadow, another dimension. So light for your shadow, another dimension self. So light for your shadow, another twilight zone. Submitted for your approval the Twilight Zone. Submitted for your approval the Twilight Zone. <laughs>
1: hello, hello, Hello. You're listening to a podcast not only of sound, but also of mind. It's Time to Rewind is a podcast that takes a journey into a wondrous land of time loops whose boundaries are that of imagination. I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, and each episode, my guest and I explore these time loops one loop at a time. This stop is Trapped in the Twilight Zone, and this is the fifth stop at 2019's Season 1, Episode 3, Replay starting at 14 minutes and 21 seconds with Nina blurrily opening opening her eyes to see the lottery numbers broadcast and ending at 17 minutes and 13 seconds with Officer Lasky throwing Dorian against a painting on the wall. Joining me once again is Mark from French Toast Sunday. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing awesome. Hey, everybody.
1: So let's go ahead and jump straight into this time loop. I... I did notice that the rewind effect this time feels a lot more muted than some of the previous ones. I it felt like it was short and Nina didn't seem as disoriented as she did in the previous uh, the, the previous rewinds. Do you think that it's partly because she's getting used to it or do you think it's because she's only rewinding like, you know, a couple minutes?
0: I think I think it's a cut watch I think it's a, it's a mixture of both because at by this moment uh Nina has I think she, I don't wanna say mastered but she has wrapped her mind around the sensu- the situation that she finds herself in so she realizes what's going on and and how she's she she knows the mechanics of her time loop that's one thing and uh the fact that it wasn't a really long time I think uh, there's a correlation between how far back she goes. Um, it's tied directly to her it's it's a correlation between how she feels how disoriented she is when she gets there, so I think it's a mixture of both that she's she's realizing the mechanics and it was just a few minutes, so it wasn't as daunting on her as it would have been yeah and one thing that i
1: that I forgot to to ask you in in the last episode, do you think whenever she did this? Like whenever you were watching this, did you think she was going to tell her son here about her ability to go back in time?
0: I think so. I mean, I think there was definitely a a feeling of a pregnant pause that you know she could have said something. She was like, mm, and I think she like decided against it. But I I felt that oh maybe she would say something here about it. But because cause this feels like
1: in 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 another a time travel story that this lottery numbers that this is like the proof that she can time travel.
0: Right. Right. It, in, it was perfect there.
1: Yeah. But instead she's just like, you know, if I can guess these, the, these lottery numbers, then you got to promise to come visit me more often. So it, instead it, it's like, it, honestly it makes her feel like a bit more of a manipulative character by doing
0: this. I can see that definitely. I mean, honestly, I don't want to, you know, disparage single moms out there, but her baby boy, you know, okay. is gone off into the big world and leaving her alone. You know, she 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 needs to pull some type of cards to make sure that you know he she, she he doesn't forget about good old mom. You know, when he's out living his life. So I can definitely I I I can see the manipulation card being played there. So I I definitely agree with you there.
1: And I, I did want to talk just a little bit more about the choice of using the lottery in general because I do think that that was a specific choice and, and not just because I, I feel like it, it can be kind of a trope with these time travel movies With because the, the lottery, whenever you have the ability to go back in time, and know what numbers are going to be called. It's the the lottery is like the one aspect of easy money.
0: Definitely, definitely, and uh, I agree with that. Uh, one thing I will add to it is that uh, in these, oh, I'm trying to think how to properly word this. But the as you mentioned, you know, getting rich quick uh, the lottery is a big thing. I guess that's what anybody that's, you know, hovering in the lower middle class, you know, the... Yeah, Yeah, that that
1: was the other thing, the other aspect I was going to bring up, is that the lottery in general, it's almost, some might call it predatory, because Mm -hmm. it it tends to collect money disproportionately to low-income and minority
0: families. Absolutely, and I was definitely... um, get it around to that point. For a lot of, you know, families, uh, Black people and people of color, uh, the only real way of getting ahead was either uh, someone having a life insurance policy and they're passing away, similar to, if I don't know if you've ever seen Sidney uh, uh, Poitier in A Raisin' in the Sun, but a situation similar to that where someone passes away and there's there's a lump sum of money left, or hitting the lottery, You know, uh, the lottery definitely does prey um, on hope and people who typically have the means to support themselves with well-paying jobs. And, you know, the lottery doesn't really, you know, they may gamble on horses and things of that nature, definitely. But it doesn't hold the same draw for people who do live very close to the poverty line or um, minority communities. So I do think that it was put there as a reason, like it, it was definitely intended. Uh, it, it was a pointed reference with the lottery.
1: Yeah, it's one of those instances where, you know, it, all it could take was is like you know five or or, or ten bucks, and then you could potent you'd have the potential to never have to work again, right? And, and be set for life. Absolutely, absolutely, and. And I, I am kind of curious, what do you think is going through Dorian's head? Because whenever he goes off to, to get snacks, he says, we're going to be rich. Like, <laughs> d- does he think that, that, that you know, she's magic and that, that she can be able to repeat this again? Because, you know, he the way he says it, it almost feels like she did tell him about the time travel aspect, but we don't see her tell him in, in this loop or, or in this episode at all until um, until a little, I think, two loops later down the line.
0: Right. Right. I, I don't agree in that aspect. I think of the two, uh, I, I do believe that uh, uh, Dorian, I almost forgot his name there myself. <laughs> <laughs> Dorian is more of a grounded person. So I don't think, uh that he really thought they were gonna be rich or, you know, I, I, I don't think he he his character to me seems a bit more grounded in uh matter of fact, uh as as we've referenced in the last episode, his conversation about uh destiny and things that are kinda of destined to happen. So I don't I don't know if if he uh um foul out he follows you with that sentiment of uh Actually, thinking they're going to be rich, I, I, I didn't quite pick up on him. I didn't pick up on the notion that he may know about the time loop. I, I didn't quite get that from that scene personally, but I can see how you, you arrive at how one could arrive at that conclusion. So, do you think that he was just he was just like saying it as a joke? Yeah, that, that that's where I'm leaning towards. Yeah,
1: and then the, this is, you know, a bit of a shorter one, even though we do get the. I think I think it's funny because now that I think about it, because this this series was developed for Paramount Plus, and yet we get in, in this loop especially we get the commercial break moment, like whenever Officer Lasky shows up to the in the door and it fades to black and and that feels like a very intentional commercial break moment, even though I don't believe Paramount Plus has commercials.
0: It does. It... Oh, <laughs> it, it, does. it does. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, I couldn't it, remember. Yeah, it has a tiered system. Uh, I know this because I recently signed up for Paramount Plus. Yeah,
1: I, I, I had it for for a few months, but I I switched off uh, to to something else. Uh, you know, a few months ago, like I, I watched the the entire first season, and then I started the second season of the Twilight Zone, but I didn't finish it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but uh, there is a commercial tier and there's a non-commercial tier, but yes. So I did, I had a commercial when I, when I got to that scene. So yes, it, it, it definitely gave you that kind of classic television, you know, uh, you got to come back until, you know, right right after the break, you know, so grab your chips or something. But it definitely gave that classic television, you know, you know, uh gasp at that scene. And I do believe that was quite intentional. Yeah, and even though it it does, I, I do
1: think that, you know, whenever he says someone's at the door, I think that at that moment, the audience very clearly knows
0: that it's Officer Lasky. Right, right. You know, I, I must admit, I was hoping that it was someone else, like, <laughs> you know, hoping against hope. Well, maybe, you know, it's her brother that they mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, he might have, you know, Dorian might have called him, you know, while they were, you know, out and about and told him at the hotel they were staying at. That's what I wanted to happen, you know, (laughs) secretly. But uh, when, you know, of course, you know, that wouldn't make for great television. So to see Austin at the door, I think it really cemented what we mentioned earlier in the previous episode about the omnipresence Slash, you know, satan- just satanic,
1: satanic. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote in my notes for this episode. He, he kind of feels like a the racist
0: Terminator. Pretty much, yes. It's just a if 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 you know the Energizer Bunny was you know a racist. You no, know, this this is Lackey. He just keeps coming and coming, and like they've done so much to avoid him, yet here he is. So you get that 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 feeling of dread, like there's no escaping from him, and I think that's really solidified in that scene when she comes around the corner and sees Lackey at the door of their hotel, like really, dude, like why are you here
1: and And I also think that his character is interesting the way that he's presented because his the way that he uses language is very specific and and it's very proper i i like he he uses like his language is it's very slow it's very deliberate i i feel like he almost over enunciates each word and it, you know his choice of wording is meant to be specific it, in in a way it almost makes him feel less than human just the way that he's speaking it's it's like, you know, I'm not, uh, I wasn't speaking to you. I was speaking to the young gentleman. And I, I don't think that's the exact
0: words, but. Um, close enough. That was very close to it. Yeah. And I agree with that. I think uh, in watching the episode, it. I don't know if this was, well, I'm pretty sure this was the intent of the actor, but it, it gave me, it very much gave me the, uh, the. The uh, feeling that he was quoting a rule book of some sort, you know, was quoting policy like he's done this before. You know, this is a situation that he has done to another, you know, family. And he knows that if he says this, then this will then hold up, you know, under scrutiny, you know, whether it be by his superiors, by court or whatever. And that could be me. That could be me just reading into the situation. But it definitely gave me the fact that it was very mechanical, it was very deliberate, and it was very methodical, his language. It it just gave me that he's quoting, you know, the guidelines of his department in in doing what he's doing. Yeah, I I think if you were to put him on,
1: like, the the Dungeons & Dragons alignment scale, he is very much
0: lawful evil, Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yes, there's nothing chaotic about his evil. It is very methodic. in it's evil, so there's not much sense to it, but it's definitely a lawful evil. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And the other thing that I noticed is, this is
1: the the third confrontation with with him, and this is the second time that he's reached for a weapon, and both both of the times that he reached for the weapon, he actually goes for his taser rather than his pistol. And I, I think that's interesting because it, it shows an escalation. Like the the first confrontation, he doesn't... I don't believe there's any conf- confrontation. I believe that she hits the rewind before it escalates too far. He's She hits the rewind whenever he's just like... You know, hey, what do you have? You know, is that a camera? And he starts reaching for the camera, right. and that's that's whenever he she rewinds the first time. And then the second time he pulls out the taser, and then this is the third time, and then he's also um, he pulls out the taser again, and it's yeah. not until the next time, whenever he he escalates it even further, and pulls out the pistol and shoots the sun. Mm -hmm. so I I, even though there is also a definite focus on his revolver like the camera likes to to focus and and show that he is that he does have a revolver at his waist at all times
0: Mm -hmm. right yeah and maybe I think that I definitely see the escalation there but I also think that um this may have been an uh, idea, something put forth by uh, the production staff. Uh, as I mentioned previously uh, in a previous episode, this episode was a bit triggering. Uh, I could see uh, if I didn't hear much about it when when the episode aired, honestly, but I could see being a black person in America watching this episode, it would have been a tough watch because it was a tough watch for me, and I think seeing am um, given the nature of the episode with it being a time loop, to constantly see uh, the officer pull a gun on this on this on this young man. Given mm-hmm. the social climate, might have been a little too much. And so, whenever
1: you were watching the the episode, did you did you notice the the difference? Did, like, did you realize that it was a taser the first two times, or, or did you think that he was pulling his
0: gun? I did notice it was a taser the first couple of times. I I noticed I'm like okay taser all right taser this is I mean it's still bad don't yeah. me, don't don't get me wrong it should have been pulled out at all but I did notice that in my head that's non that that could be non non lethal it's, it's potentially non lethal yeah the intention is non lethal even right. though you know non non lethal
1: doesn't always mean non lethal
0: exactly so I did notice that the first few times and. And in later loops, that's not the case. But I do think that, one, it does, it, it serves two purposes. One, it shows the escalation in the situation, in the time loops. It also, I think it was just kind of smart uh, on, you know, behind the scenes, not to have that happen too much in the episode. You know, to, 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 to not have that just, that imagery still is very impactful. And you don't mm-hmm. want to use it, you uh, Gratuitously. So do you think that
1: the officer is somewhat aware of the repeating time? Like, like, do you think that at least partially he keeps coming after Nina because she keeps escaping him by traveling through time? Like, like do you think that either consciously or unconsciously or supernaturally that he's aware of of her escaping him through time travel.
0: That is a very interesting concept. I mean, I think it's, I can see how one can reach that conclusion. (laughs) I've said that before, but I can see how that, I I can see how that can play out. And I think there's support there for it. But on my watching, it just dawned, well, not, I would say dawned on me, but in watching it, you know, uh, Dorian and Nina sticks out for a multitude of reasons. The biggest one is that they are, you know, two African American people, you know, in this in this small, smallish town driving through. And they kinda of stick out like a sore thumb. And mm-hmm. that intrigues, uh, sparks curiosity of some sort in uh, Officer I'm um, Lackey. So that's why I think that's the driving force. The fact that they're they're both in that diner at the same time. You know, I, th- I think that's all the uh, motive that he needed, but I can, I can, I can see uh, the more supernatural, more instinctual side of it that, you know, you're escaping me and, you know, I want to, you know, I I, I want to stop that, but I do lean more towards it just being, you know, he saw them and he wants them gone. Yeah, I, I do think that that
1: you do bring up a, a good point that we haven't really touched on yet, because Nina does say that this is this is the area that she grew up in. This is like her hometown area. Her uncle still lives in the area, not too far from here, and she talks about escaping it and making a better life for herself, which even though we don't necessarily see the low income ness. Because we really just see the inside of the diner, the inside of the motel,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the roads. But it, just based on that, that this makes me think that this is like a low-income small-town area. Yeah, and it, because the, the the officer he seems okay with like the the waitress Mabel, and mm-hmm. and and she's also a black woman. But I think that's because she's a waitress, you know she's in a menial job right, and Nina and her son, and she comes driving in and and a, you know he he mentions that their vehicle is a Volvo and um, I don't know i i didn't I'm not too much of a car person, so i I didn't really. I couldn't really tell if it was, like, you know, a high-end car. I kind of got the impression that it's maybe just, like, a, a
0: a mid-end car. Well, Volvos are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Volvos, I mean, when people think of luxury vehicles, you know, think of Mercedes and, you know, uh, BMWs and things of that nature. But uh, Volvos, my mom had a Volvo for years growing up. And they are they're, they're not cheap cars. They're expensive and upkeep. So they are I, so they're, I went, they're like upper middle class. There we go. They're
1: upper middle class. Okay, so that this is you know an upper a a black woman and her black son mm-hmm. driving in a relatively expensive car, right. which that comes into play more in you know, in the next episode, which we'll focus on that a bit more. But I, I think it is important to to mention that 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 does make. Them stand out, and that mm-hmm. does play into the the racist mentality of this officer. You know, th- this is him seeing black people, which, as a racist, he would think of as lesser. Mm-hmm. But they come in and they are, you know, better than him. Right, they're right. above him, and so that makes him feel inadequate and and so that makes him want to lash out at them and make make them know that he isn't lesser he is in fact better than him because he wields the power of the the police the the power and authority of being a police officer and and he has to hold that over them to show that he's not lesser than them that he is
0: actually above them in his mind right right absolutely absolutely and you'll just be so surprised how much you'll see that like it's 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 i i don't want people to watch this episode and think that this is this isn't the surreal part (laughs) the way the, the the cop acts is not the surreal part of this episode trust me it's just a camcorder everything else is so based and grounded in reality that it's 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 not even funny and as i mentioned in the previous episode uh Twice Zone is known for it's surreal. It's known for taking these grounded situations, putting a surreal twist on it, and making it extraordinary. But this the way this officer is acting and you know his, his motivations are definitely not surreal. This this is not an exaggeration. So uh, So I I suppose I, I should
1: ask you and you know if if it is, if I end up hitting on a more sensitive subject that you don't want to talk about. That's perfectly fine. But have you ever had a a personal experience or, you know, someone close to you has had a, a personal
0: experience with the cops? Ooh. Okay. So I'm thinking I've been lucky enough personally, and this is odd. Thank God. I have not been in too many situations where I've had that particular problem. Uh, with, with police officers. Uh, there's one instance, it wasn't involved in law enforcement, it was involving a neighbor. Uh, mentioned in the last episode, I'm, I'm a member of French So Sunday, it's a podcast, and uh, we used to podcast at our friend Jay's um, house. Jay lived with his mom. Now, Jay, uh, we will podcast at night, and uh, Jay lived in like a suburban neighborhood, um, in the suburbs, the east baltimore county because uh, we're in maryland so uh we'll just walk up to the yard and you know go in the basement and just wait that's you know that that's where we podcasted at so uh <laughs> i was known at the time for wearing very very bright polos i mean almost gaudy bright neon <laughs> yellow, greens oranges it was my thing not only were my polos neon colored but they had like the extra large horse on them it was the <laughs> big pony collection looking back on it, it was, you know, yikes, but it was roughly 11, 12 years ago. So it was good back then. <laughs> so I meet a larger black man in a brightly colored polo walking into, you know, the yard of, you know, my friend. And we were, we podcasted on one night. And the next day we were over, Uh, they had a, they had a pool. So we we're swimming in the pool. Uh, and uh, my friend Jay mentioned like, hey, uh, Mark, my neighbors talked to me this morning, and they essentially almost called the police on you because they saw you going into the yard. And Jay had to tell them, "I like, know that's my friend. He's a, he, he's he's welcome here. He's he supposed that he didn't do anything wrong." But they saw me. And I was not the only person who <laughs> went into the yard, <laughs> but they saw me, and I was the only you know black person. So you know, I that could have been a situation where the cops could have been called and that might've been, you know, it it might've not, it might, it might not have ended well for me. So it's something that uh, being a person of color, you, you have to be wary of that and in in, in your daily surroundings and, and how you move and how you act. Uh, So you have to take all these extra steps to, to minimize the ability of, you know, getting involved with law enforcement or someone just calling law enforcement on you. So, I uh, granted yet again, I'm so happy that I've not had any direct run-ins with the law in that regard, but I've had a few close calls and that being one that I can mention, you know, on the <laughs> podcast, other ones, you know, all those, uh, I'd rather not, but you know, it's something that you, it's, it's a part of day-to-day life being, uh, being black or a person of color in America. And most people don't necessarily understand that or, or really deeply understand how that, how, how that can affect you. Like we, we have to look at things completely differently. So to prevent that from happening and yeah. still not successful sometimes. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's something that,
1: you know, it, And as I mentioned, you know, I, I'm, I'm a middle-aged white, middle-aged, middle, middle-class white guy. And it's, I, I'm someone, I, I, I try to be sensitive, I try to be open-minded, but every time I hear these type of stories, it is just so difficult to wrap my head around the the type of things that, that a person of color has to experience living in America because it is so far removed with how I grew up and how I'm able to live... Basically, a, a privilege, a, a privileged life. I, you know, I, I've had money issues. I've I've been pulled over for silly reasons a, a couple times, but like I and I get the, you know, I, I get the anxiety whenever I I see the the flashing lights. But it is so far removed from the type of anxiety that I can imagine that that I would feel if if I was a black person that right. it, it's just so so far removed it, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around it and and I just you know it, it it might feel weird to say but you know it it makes me just feel lucky that I am white
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 definitely <laughs> Uh, uh, uh it, 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 there's a benefit. <laughs> there is a benefit. I wish I could think of her name right now, but there's a, uh, there's a woman. uh oh God, I can't think of her name right now. I'm so upset. But uh, she does like racial uh, trainings around the uh, around the country. I will say around the world, but she she definitely does it in America, where she uh, takes people and she divides them into groups by color of their eyes. So light eyed people are put to the left, uh, dark-eyed people I put to the right, and, you know, most light-eyed people typically, phenotypically, are, you know, Caucasian, they're white, Mm -hmm. and she then proceeds to treat them as if they were black, and it's a very interesting uh, uh, case study, and she does this class all over the place, and you can watch videos of it on YouTube, and it's just, you know, unfortunately, it's an aspect of human nature you really don't understand things unless it happens to you directly, hmm. and it it shouldn't be that way, honestly. You know, we should have enough empathy for people to you know understand what they're going through by them telling us what they're going through. But in most cases, we only truly understand things when it happens to us. And uh, the the class is really a revelation for people. People storm out, they get angry, and I think her first name is Ellen. I have to look up the rest of it, but it's you know you can watch her videos on YouTube. She she uh, she has interviews and things, and it's very very interesting. But uh, sometimes that's what it takes. People you know being open to dialogue and seeing it from another person's point of view. So, uh, yeah. If we did that more often, we, we may not be in the social climate that we're currently in.
1: Yeah. Um. But, you know, let's. I I think it's a a good time to bring. Bring things a a little bit lighter, and and uh, and that's all I have for for this loop um, in terms of the the actual content. Uh, I guess before I get into the classic episode, was there anything else that you wanted to say about
0: about this loop? Uh, No, this loop was uh, thankfully it was a short loop, Uh, so it it was uh, it was short. It was it was impactful. And I'm just very glad that I'm not the guest for the next loop. <laughs> that, that, that I will say, like, yeah, I'm glad that that's the one that I, I'm not on. All
1: right. So the 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 classic episode that I chose to to bring up for this episode is uh, a most unusual camera, and that's from season two, episode ten and i did this because there is a direct connection between that episode and this one because th- this classic episode it's about these these two um like two big criminals like uh grifters they they had stolen they robbed like a like a an antique shop and it turns out that most of the antiques that that they stole were fakes, even though that there's like a newspaper article where they the antique shop was listing everything and they were, you know, heavily inflating everything that they stole, uh, you know, for the, for insurance purposes. And, but they have this camera and they end up taking a picture. Uh, he takes, the guy takes a picture of his wife at the window. And then, you know, a couple minutes later or, You know, a little bit later, it it pops up like a Polaroid.
0: Mm.
1: And it's her, but it's her wearing a fur coat. And he's like, oh, this must be, like, some sort of trick camera. And then, eventually, they they open this suitcase that they haven't opened yet, and there's a fur coat inside. And then she wears it, and then she goes to the window and is posing just like she was in the camera. And they figure out that the camera takes pictures five minutes into the future. Uh-huh. And so it's, you know, you know, the next picture they take shows her brother at the door. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense because her brother's in jail and he doesn't get out for another seven years. And then lo and behold, a couple minutes later, her brother props through the door. And so they, they take it to the, the racetrack and they, Use it to win a bunch of money betting on horses, by taking a picture of the winner board, and then betting on the winning horse. And then they come back to the hotel, and you know this uh, this French um, like uh, a bellhop or the the room service guy comes in, and he notices that written on a plaque on the camera, it says "dis à la propriétaire," which means 10 per owner and so they figure out that that means that they're only able to take 10 pictures and they've already taken eight Mm. so they only have two left and the reason that i chose this is i don't think we can see it in either of these two loops that that we discussed but at one point you can see on the side of the camcorder there is a label that says Dice à la propriétaire." Wow. Okay. And so that's and because there, she doesn't hit rewind ten times over the course of the episode. I think she only hits it like seven or eight.
0: Hmm.
1: But I so that that is definitely just a reference to this episode. And then this is a more comedic episode, you know, that's the, the man and his wife and the brother, you know, they, they bicker through most of the episode and it's, it's, it's funny for the most part. And then, you know, they, they take a picture, they accidentally take a picture and it's the, the wife, like, you know, recoiling in horror and they're like, start, you know, they start accusing each other. It's like, maybe it's because her brother got jealous and started attacking her husband with a knife. And it's mm. like, well, maybe her husband was mad at her brother and started attacking him. And then they fight and they fall out the window and and die in the courtyard. Mm. And then she takes a picture of the bodies because she's like, you know, she's not that upset because she has all the money for herself. But then the French guy comes back in, and he starts gathering up the money, and he's like, I'm here to do laundry. And (laughs) she's like, what are you talking about? Well, because there's a couple dead bodies in the courtyard, and I did some digging, and you all are wanted by the police, and the police should be coming here pretty soon. So I'm just going to take this so I don't... (laughs) So um as payment for not saying anything. <laughs> and then the, the the picture comes out and they he and the French guy looks at it, and he's like, Oh, there's more than two bodies out here. And, you know, the wife's like, What? And then she goes to the window and she trips <gasps> and she falls out the window. Oh wow. And then the French guy goes over and he's like, Ha 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 and then he looks there are yeah, one, two, three, four bodies, and then this—this this is the part where it just gets stupid. Like, because he doesn't trip; he's just like, he's just like
0: the gasp, and then he falls out the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, oh, uh, that 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 that's a bit hokey. But again, I, <laughs> what season episode is this? Because I want to watch these episodes though. <laughs> Uh, this one
1: is season two, episode ten, a most unusual camera. Got it. So uh, yeah, this this one's just you know it, it's another, uh, it's one of the more comedic episodes. I, I thought, and and I did enjoy most of the episode up until the
0: incredibly stupid ending. Right. Right. Yeah, it's amazing how an ending can ruin the whole show for you <laughs> Game of Thrones. But you know <laughs> it it happens sometimes. Yeah, but you know, I I think that
1: we really stretch I, I think we talked plenty about this like I think seven minutes of, of this episode. We stretched it out long enough, but I I'd like to to thank you for talking with me about this. It, it was it was a joy to have you on, and and I think we we covered a lot of heavy things and, and a lot of light things, and uh, you know uh, I think it was a good episode.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Baba. I would be I would be I would love coming back again. So anytime, sir, I'll All be you. here.
1: And then, you know, why don't you go ahead and, and quickly mention uh, where people can find you online?
0: All right, guys, you can find me and my uh, other French Toast Sunday associates on FrenchToastSunday.com. French and toast spelled normally and Sunday like the day. Uh, we haven't podcasted uh, in, a, in a in quite some time. The pandemic has put that on hold for us, but there are still reviews. We have over 300 episodes that you can listen to through Spotify, uh, iTunes, pretty much wherever you can find podcasts, you can find our stuff. And we're out there and please listen to us.
1: And as always, I am Bubba and you can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. You can find me on Twitter at Bubble Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And we also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group. You can join that to discuss episodes as they come out, or discuss time loop movies or TV episodes, past, present, or future. So until next time, I will still be here, trapped in the Twilight Zone.
0: Submitted for your approval. Submitted for your approval. Another dimension. It's a light for your approval. Another dimension. It's light for your shadow. Another dimension. So light be your shadow of another dance Submitted self. So light be your shadow of another divine self. Submit it for your approval, the Twilight Zone. Submit it for your approval, the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Bro, we'll get us some snacks, <laughs> we gon' be rich! We gon' be rich! <laughs> Come on, there's someone out here.